In this episode of Hole in the Air, we talk with Caro Avanesian, the president of the Glendale Democratic Club. For much of its history, Glendale was a Republican city. That is no longer true. In many ways, the political changes that have taken place in Glendale have turned out to be harbingers of similar changes across California. Changes due to dramatically evolving demographics, but also to stalwart activism and political involvement. Our special guest today, and the Democratic Club he helps lead, exemplify that spirit of civic engagement and love of democracy. Hello, everyone. This is Paul Michael Newman with Renee Nahum, and we're once again hosting an episode of the podcast we call Hole in the Air. Uh, today's special guest is Caro Avanesian, and he is the president of the Glendale Democratic Club. And since, uh, for a number of reasons, Glendale is such a fascinating city with a really interesting political history, but a changing one. And that's significantly because of activists such as our special guest, not just the activism of our special guest, but also his leadership and and the uh, efforts of the Glendale Democratic Club. So we invited him to be here because we want to find out more about the basics of uh, both what brought him to politics and also what he has to say about Glendale and his Democratic Club and what they do and uh, and how it feels to be a, a leader of that group, or just let's just say a member of a, a very dynamic Democratic Club at a time that is clearly of pressing consequence for this country. So without further ado, Renee, you want to say hi to? Hi, Caro. <laughs> hi there. <laughs> Thank you for coming, and um, yeah, let's nice just to be here. So, talk Car- about Caro. And- yeah. So, first of all, you mm-hmm. were informing us that because we kind of broached the subject of your first name, that your name means you said deer in French. In well, Italian. no, no, in Italian, Italian is, uh, yeah. but in Armenian it means something else, Caro. What does it mean in Armenian? Dare we ask? Uh, it, it's a short for Karapet. Karapet means a leader. Oh, oh, there you go. Okay. Yeah. So we are what we are born to be sometimes. Yeah. Um, or named to be. So how long have you been president? You are president currently. Yes. Of the Glendale Democratic Club. How long have you been president? Too for? long. <laughs> <laughs> I really, uh, I think I've been reelected uh, maybe five or six times. It's, uh, each time is two t- 12 years, 15 years. Wow. So yeah. how long has the club actually been in existence? Since 89. How long have you been a member of the club? Maybe 90. Um, who, uh, so that's, that's The club started with uh, actually four main people in Glendale. At the time, uh, Glendale was a pre-red city. Yeah. Uh, all of our uh, representatives were Republican. Yeah. Uh, actually started with... Uh, Rafi Manukian, Frank Contero, I think it was uh, Dean uh, Wellart, uh, if I re- remember his name. Uh, yeah, I can right. barely remember right. what I was doing this and, morning. And somebody else. Anyway, uh, it, uh, at that time, Glendale was a very red city when that club started. Uh, I joined uh, right after... I heard Rush Rainbow yeah. on the uh, radio, 
uh, I was driving towards uh, uh, the ski resort nearby, and it says the ones who are not agreeing with uh, uh, this uh, invasion of the Iraq and Iraq war and stuff, they're not American. So I just made a U-turn and came back. I was so angry. So you gave uh, up a you said a skiing vacation. I was going yeah. to. I was. It's a close by at the Wrightwood and stuff. So it wasn't a whole day. I mean, I could return very early. So I was. I really lost everything. Like they called me un-American because I was against that stupid war they were going to start with all lies. And uh, so I came back and I had seen that in the paper that. Uh, uh, Rafi and them had uh, created a democratic club, so I joined. Now, and so that was the beginning of your activism. No, no. I started my activism in uh, Nixon McGovern time. That was actually my first uh, election after becoming a U.S. citizen, and I always have taken that part very seriously. I have not missed a single vote. So at that time, uh, and I was really following this Watergate stuff at that time. I'm kind of a uh, political junkie, as they say. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I joined the McGovern campaign. I was helping stuffing envelopes and stuff. Their headquarters was right at the, on Western and Freeway in the corner building. Uh, you were living in Glendale at the time? I was living in Hollywood at that time. Oh, I see. I was close by. So I moved to Glendale uh, in 70, 70 actually. So where were, let's, where were you born? I was born in Iran, Tehran. Oh, okay. And how old were you when you came I to I was the US? 17 when I came to this country in 10th grade. And, and, and did you come to California directly? I came directly to California. I went to San Luis Obispo Senior High School. So uh, that was San, San Luis Obispo is my hometown. I, and, I consider that. And professionally, uh, I don't really know if I do. I know what you do. What do you professionally? What's your well, career? Well, right now I'm retired, but I was a, a systems analyst, project manager. Uh, I worked uh, eight years in Raff and Parsons company, an engineering company, as a systems analyst. Then I went to Warner Brothers, uh, Warner Home Video. And I was a project manager there, uh, designing uh, uh, software uh, for the Warner Home Video. Hmm. Now, uh, we, you mentioned that Glendale was a red state. but Red city. Red city, excuse me. <laughs> you know, not, not a red state, a red city. But for many of us, and we've actually talked about this in at least one prior episode in passing, but Glendale had a rather wretched history uh, in terms of its connections to the far right even that's right uh, mm-hmm. the Klan the, the, uh, mm-hmm. uh, had headquarters there I believe and uh, its record of uh, racism and anti-Semitism <laughs> probably other isms that are the good, not the good ones if there are good ones uh, uh, it was kind of infamous actually Paul has it a bit wrong It was the American Nazi Party and not the Ku Klux Klan that had its headquarters in Glendale. It's true that the chief officer of the state Ku Klux Klan, the so-called Grand Cyclops, resided in Glendale. 
So did the Western Division commander of the American Nazi Party, and in 1964, Glendale was chosen to be the West Coast headquarters of the American Nazi Party. That office closed in the early 1980s. Glendale's history of racism isn't limited to extremist groups. Into the 1960s, Glendale was what was known as a sundown town, which meant that non-whites who remained within city limits past a certain hour of the day faced the threat of arrest, possible violence, or both. Back then, the city was 97% Anglo. Today, an estimated 40% of the city's 200,000-plus population is of Armenian heritage, with most such persons having arrived in Glendale in the past two decades. There is also a substantial Mexican-American community in Glendale, as well as large Pilipinx, Korean-American, and Persian communities, and that's just a part of the city's overall great diversity. And when you moved there, it seems like it was kind of perhaps right around when it was starting. It was change. in 74 when I moved to Glendale, and I think I was one of the first Armenians who moved to Glendale. <laughs> and they were the neighborhood after that. Um, I mean, <laughs> most Armenians used to live in the uh, Hollywood area. Mm-hmm. Uh, East Hollywood, uh, yeah. Right. No, the, uh, Belmont and uh, mm-hmm. Hollywood uh, and Sunset between in those areas. Uh, and now it's called Little Armenia. Yeah, yeah at that time, uh, it was 74 that I moved to Glendale. Very few Armenians. Actually, I was probably only of an Asian on the... Uh, we used to have these white pages. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> now there are a couple of pages of Armenia. Avanesian is pretty, uh, it's like common. Smith. It's very common uh, last name in mm-hmm. Armenian. So the area you lived in at one point in Hollywood is now uh, known as the Little Armenia neighborhood, but Glendale itself which it's, hardly had any Armenians at the time, right. now is, I don't know if it's, it's probably the biggest Armenian population uh, of any true. city this side of wherever. That's true. I mean, it is a, uh, there are other, certainly it's a diversity, but yeah. there's a remarkably uh, vibrant and significant, uh, in terms of numbers, uh, Armenian community. Uh, I assume that there are, as are, as there tends to be with any community, there are divides. It's probably not uh, uh, same as uh, yeah. any other uh, ethnicity. They have, uh, they have their own. Each they have different groups in there. And when it comes, uh, but it, it comes at unity and stuff. We are proud to be Armenian. We have a pre uh, ancient history goes back to three four thousand years, uh, more than three thousand years. Uh, used to be a very large empire at one point, and little by little, uh, we were between Romans and Persians and, and all these uh, wars that they have. Uh, little by little, it was eaten up to what we have now. Now, I don't want to jump ahead in terms of... And I'm not a historian by any right. means, but I'm just telling from my uh, what I've learned. But there, there, is, there is one specific matter, which is... Uh, as long as I've been active in politics, and Renee as well, um, uh, it's it's been there at the forefront, sometimes suppressed, but it's been there, and it is the issue of, of the Armenian genocide and, and how our society acknowledges that, recognizes it, recognizes the, recognizes the importance of of recognizing. Uh, recognizing and remembering what happened. And uh, I know that's shadowed, uh, shadowed, inspired, whatever, a lot of the politics and activism in 
uh, not just the Armenian community here in Los Angeles, but all of uh, Los Angeles politics, at least all of Democratic politics. I know Adam Schiff, who is the Congress member who represents the area, has made a point of, uh, well, you can correct me if, if you think I'm no, wrong, that's, but I, that's true. I'm advocating for it. And I do want to state that the House uh, Democratic-controlled, at this point, uh, majority House uh, in Congress uh, recently, quite recently, passed a, what, a resolution? It, it's a recognition of the Armenian genocide. It, that has happened maybe three or, three or four times before. But after it has gotten to the Senate, it has been stopped. And, they kill it. Yeah. What do we? What are, What are the expectations? This I time think around? it will be the same. So maybe some people. This will. has happened both in uh, uh, Democratic and Republican presidents. A lot of times, because of issues and anxieties. Am I correct about or allegedly because of issues and anxieties about maybe not alienating Turkey? Turkey but Turks. at this point. Yeah. Given what's happened quite recently oh, with, yeah. with Turkey, uh, there may be some sense that what do you have to lose with that relationship? How well, we are hoping for some date for that to happen. Uh, every Armenian has this wound, an open wound, uh, because uh, if they go back into their a couple of generations back, they have lost uh, uh, so many relatives uh, in this genocide. But let's also be clear that um, it's that that obviously is of paramount transcendence transcendent importance and resonance it's it is a living wound and certainly without being able to treat it which is what these resolutions attempt to accomplish uh, the wounds are still there but uh, and and I don't want to continue with that metaphor but um, it's not just the Armenian community by any means. It's any, no. any caring human being. But it's also, I mean, I'm Jewish, Renee is Jewish. And among other things, the Nazis were inspired by what they witnessed, what they knew well about the, in terms of the Armenian genocide, how it was implemented, including politically, yes. how it was allowed, how it was enabled, how it was engineered, was a textbook for the Nazis and and, it was brought others. up that uh, mm-hmm. who, who talked about Armenians. That's mm-hmm. when the, before the Holocaust things. Yeah. That was brought up uh, uh, at that time. At the same time, I'm very puzzled. I don't know if we want to go through these tangents or not. Mm-hmm. I thought we were going to talk something else, but it's okay. Uh, Israel should be one of the first nations to recognize the Armenian genocide. Yep. And they haven't yet. And that's another wound for me. Because they have gone through this. Mm-hmm. Same kind of idea. It was brought up before the Holocaust that nothing happened to, nobody talked about Armenians, so we can do this again. Yeah. And Israel is one of the nations that has not recognized yet. And yeah. that's another one. Uh, no, that's I'm a, hoping that's, someday yeah. that uh, will happen. Yeah. That's, that's a, yeah. Uh, yeah. a very significant point to make. Um, France has uh, accepted, Spain has accepted, lots of countries who have uh, done this, uh, even by Turkey's uh, threat that we are going to do this and that. Nothing has happened. They accepted it, everything went fine. And, you know, the... the the clear. I can understand that strategically. We have a bunch of bases over there and whatever, which they don't. Uh, 
but uh, still. But geopolitics. Geopolitics can be understood for, for their uh, rationale, but at the same time, rationalizing and not calling out genocide just opens the door to... I mean, for one thing, it's just wrong, and there's a real need to just right. deal with history and, and, and embrace it even for its horrors to understand what's happened, what's transpired, to know who we are, but also to deal with the... You know, to, to help prevent it happening in the future. You, you understand what happened in the past. And, and so for all those reasons, it, it's, it's there to be dealt with. And so we're glad that, uh, the, that the House has done what it's done this time around. We'll and we'll see what happens yeah. in the future. Um, but again, Adam Schiff, uh, who most people at this point know simply and purely because of what's going on in terms of impeachment at this point and, and uh, impeachment inquiry and, and, and uh, scrutinizing uh, of uh, current administration, uh, the current administration's, uh, let's just say, uh, bad behavior. Um, the, uh, but he also has been one to speak up on this since yeah. he started yes. his legislative career yeah. and probably he before been, that. He yes. has been very powerful yeah. bo- uh, voice and, and for, uh, for this community. It was back in the year 2000 that Adam Schiff unseated the Republican incumbent in what was a fiercely contested congressional election. Caro and other members of the Glendale Democratic Club were among the incredibly dedicated volunteers who helped make that win possible. And, and it speaks to it speaks to what moral leadership is about. That That's right. You don't just, you know, pick one thing and write it home as a, as a political, uh, even if it's va- quite valid, yeah. as a political uh, instrument. You actually talk about stuff, which, in this region, uh, it's not as, it's not as. I mean, as you kind of, uh, you know, suggested, uh, there are all kinds of pressures that are get. Uh, have been put to bear on people uh, in leadership to maybe just not talk about certain issues. And this has been one of them. So it's taken tremendous resolve and activism and leadership, both by elected officials and clubs and, and grassroots effort and individuals right. to actually get some action. But there are those who have spoken up without hesitation. And, and it's, it's, I think, good to really good to know that he's been one of them. Um, but that aside for the moment that's a big issue that's been there for you know again decades in terms of one of those things that some people duck and others don't um but it's clearly you know crucial to you your family your community uh for very personal familial uh reasons uh i'll also say that in this country we we obviously the u.s has a tricky time dealing with its own history in terms of Native Americans and slavery. and it's, mm-hmm. So these things are, are uh, gut-wrenching and, and necessary to, to kind of do our utmost to resolve with good conscience and conscientiously. But it's not seem, it doesn't seem to be a simple thing. Maybe a generation or two from now, climate change permitting, we'll see people more willing to just call, yes. you know, call for what it is, these things. Um, but back to your your uh, activism. So you, so you already had been politically involved when you were came to Glendale, uh, and 
you were involved in the McGovern campaign, and I, we actually talked about this briefly. I remember mm-hmm. uh, Kim Cranston, the son of <laughs> the, Senator Alan Cranston, was I think one of the persons in charge of the local operations. And it's fair to say a lot of future elected officials uh, were members, I think, of UCLA's uh, mm-hmm. students for uh, McGovern, and and though that campaign did not uh, turn out to be terribly successful at the no, it come November. Yeah. Actually, I was uh, at the last day of it. Uh, there was a news group who walked into that campaign office, and uh, they asked a very crude question. Actually, they said, "All the polls shows that uh, this is not going to be successful. How you are working this thing? I, I don't care. It was, it's what's right. It's right. I don't think Nixon is the right person to, at this time, to be elected, re-elected, and." Uh, was put on the national news section. <laughs> That's right. History is, has... Uh, 15 minutes of fame. There you go. History. Not even that. Maybe a few seconds, but that's what it was. I, uh, I don't think many would, in retrospect, say that history has uh, proved you wrong. Most people would say history has proved you correct. Mm-hmm. I mean, the only argument going against that is, is some people, at th- this point, saying Nixon at least was better than the current uh, uh, well, <laughs> um, if you want to compare on that, I think mostly uh, there's a, a larger uh, underneath problem with our country right now. Uh, I think uh, people are not educated with civics. Yeah. Most people do not know the Constitution, and uh, they have not read it. Or if they read it, it was years ago, and uh, they do not recognize it. Uh, uh, I've seen shows that they were going college student and showing the Bill of Rights and stuff. They have no idea what that is. Uh, and that's a whole uh, backbone of this country. And it's very sad that most people do not recognize that, that what the cons- at least what, what it says. And what they have, most people, when they take office, they swear to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. I, as a Natural, naturalized citizen, uh, I had to take an oath to protect you. to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States, and that I take it very seriously. You did not do that reluctantly. You did that. With I great did. Pride. I, I became a citizen of this country, with my choice. Right. Yeah. Uh, not because I was just born and I automatically became citizen. So I take that very seriously, and I think uh, when I talk around with other uh, naturalized citizens, they all take their oath very seriously. I think they are much more knowledgeable at, about the Constitution than the people who actually were born here and they're going along with their mm-hmm. uh, uh, life and uh, they don't really pay attention. Well, you see what's the, going the percentage on. of people who actually vote. And it's, there you go. it's pathetic. So do, you, so do you feel like... Uh, as a naturalized citizen, that the current, I'll call it a war on immigrants to some real extent that's happening. A war on America. Is a war on America that, that, it's, it's, uh, that it's actually one of its failures, out of, just in a visionary way, putting aside civility and courtesy and humanity, and, but one of its failures is not recognizing that so many of the people who come here, call it legally or otherwise, are doing so with a full capability to be at least as patriotic and as civically knowledgeable 
whether or not they speak English immediately or whenever, those are people who will love this country, you know, with great numbers, great percentage. I don't want to say every single person. That goes back even the the first uh, migrants who came through Alice Island. Mm -hmm. Same way. they, They built this country. Uh, and uh, I think we have taken things uh, too granted, as granted, mm-hmm. and uh, that part is slipping away. Uh, and with this uh, uh, propaganda machines that is going around, people, they're not really catching on that what's happening uh, to our system. So, so- when I brought up that I was driving towards the Wrightwood for Ski Resort. I... I was, you know, why I was listening to Rush Limbaugh? My, I always listened to talk shows at that time. Mm-hmm. When you pass a few miles out of Los Angeles, you can't receive any other station yeah. but this right wing yeah. propaganda machines. You can't. And the whole country is that way. Uh, there was, uh, I don't know the exact figures on, but uh, like 1,800 stations. They're all right-wing. There are just a handful of them which somehow they are more progressive. So that's, so that's one reason why a Democratic club or you know, other community groups that, that try to help people or try to call attention to, in a purposeful way to the actuality of what issues are about. Uh, when you're doing it face-to-face, when you're doing it at the grassroots level, it's at least somewhat of an antidote to the, all the propaganda that goes on through social media, a lot of it, and through the mainstream, what's you know, still called the mainstream media, and, and, and Fox, and whatever. When It's not always an easy struggle, I'm sure, for you to con- communicate with everybody about what uh, you understand to be the correct facts, or let's just say the facts of an issue. But it is one way of getting, of letting people know that either what they're hearing on talk radio isn't the truth or isn't the only way of looking at things, or that maybe they're not alone in, in, in wondering what the heck's going on, that, that the grassroots stuff is a source of comfort and inspiration, and to use that old-fashioned phrase, solidarity. Um, so what are some of the things the club does that you could tell us about that, that's important? And what's... Is, yeah, what, what are the activities of the club? Well, uh, uh, through these years, we have uh, always uh, tabled. And uh, a tabling is what mm-hmm. you put some information on the table and register people to vote. Good. And the ones who come and ask uh, questions, you try to explain to them what's happening. Uh, and there are some information from our candidates on that table. Uh, so we do that maybe two months before every election, every Sunday. And if we get more time, we do it some other places. Uh, on a monthly basis, we meet. And uh, each time we have a speaker uh, from our representatives. Uh, we had uh, uh, Portent- uh, Anthony Portentino there, senator. State, senator. State Senator. We had uh, Assemblymember uh, Laura Friedman. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had uh, several our city council people mm-hmm. who came and spoke. And so, so each time we have some kind of a new subject uh, and a new speaker 
to talk about and inform the public what's happening. And so they come and they talk about uh, their legislation that's active. They talk about the kinds of things that they're doing that you want to hear about. That's right. And also this time, you know, that uh, voting has changed. There's a brand new voting systems in place and stuff. Uh, We had Ardi Kasakian from City Clerk came over there and explained uh, what was going on. Uh, This is a couple of months ago. We're going to have him come back again to explain uh, uh, again to the public to what's happening. It is different. The the voting centers and, yeah, you could open for 11 days. Yeah. You could vote for 11 days. Uh, it's very well. You, you have to. You can only vote once. You yeah, vote right. Vote. But you have open. all this uh, right. span of time right. to right. be able to go and, and vote. And some so. people are going to be very confused and very yes. upset. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, it's a. Uh, it needs a lot of uh, information oh, out well, there well, and educating people to what to do. People right. will be upset because their traditional because polling place traditional, is not because open. voting is kind of a habit that yeah. I've seen. It's a habit, especially with you know older seniors. And they know where they vote. They get their ballot. They vote. You know, it's they're they're very dedicated to voting. That's true. And it's going to be upsetting to them. And it's going to take you know some hand holding and and all of that. And it will also but, be a huge ballot because they've yeah, consolidated the Yeah, I think I think the there is a lot more education to be done um, federal yeah. for the voters. That what's going on. Some people they're not even aware that that's happening. And our club, you know, that uh, even 50, 60 people if show up, that's not enough. It yeah. has to be a lot larger forums and stuff. And uh, through this uh, broadcasts and also TV uh, shows and stuff, they have, to, uh, they have to let the people know what's happening. So before, uh, it's, it's not long left, I mean, just a few months from now, yeah. before they get to that voting booth, at least they know what to do. This and being I, early November, and we're talking about the March 2020 right. elections. And they're, I believe they're all. It's also they're going to have same day registration. Yes, you could register. Yeah. At the voting center and vote that day. Which is new. Which is new for California, yes. at least. Good. Yeah. Um, so, do you do endorsements in uh, your club? Yes, we do endorsement with our club. The way we do our endorsement is, uh, uh, we wait until the forty third. Uh, delegates vote, and it goes to forty third uh, assembly district assembly delegation, yes. delegation yes. votes. Yes. And when it goes to the county committee, yes. and they uh, approve, uh, we uh, we will uh, endorse those people. Too. The reason for that is because there are so many people sitting and asking questions directly from the candidates. It's not that uh, just candidate come over there and shows up and gives one speech right. and uh, you go ahead and say, okay, I endorse you. This, uh, it takes little time. With, little, the, with the assembly delegations. Yeah, with, that's right. Right, that whole process. Uh, and, and it's a better process and uh, people are thinking uh, through it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are lots of questions asked from the candidates which we won't be able to do it uh, at the club level. At the club level, uh, and uh, we endorse those people. There are times that uh, we made. Uh, we are going to do it again. We will have forums uh, right. for the oh, right. city candidates mm-hmm. uh, who are running for city council. Uh, that's going to be in January. Uh, so uh, we want to. We usually bring uh, all the candidates over there, and and where uh, where. 
what kind of place? Of, we usually do it as a Pacific Recreation Center right. mm-hmm. in that area. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not come up with the exact location this time yet, but I think that's how it's going to be. It's uh, easy access. So, so just so to, just to clarify for those who may be listening, uh, all those recommendations come in from the various committees. Go to the uh, the body as a whole of the LA County Democratic Party. And while oftentimes those recommendations are indeed uh, accepted, approved, and it becomes an official party endorsement, it does, it's not inevitable. Uh, sometimes there will be a, I don't know, a fight or a question, a challenge raised to the endorsement uh, recommendation. And so it can be overturned or it can go a different way. It doesn't happen that often, but it certainly doesn't happen that infrequently either. So I guess I say all that. It's probably confusing, but to try to suggest that it's not necessarily a uniform, uh, straight, uh, you know, uh, a process that occurs without a hitch. There can be questions, there can be challenges, and they do occur. But does the club essentially, almost universally, do what the par- uh, in its endorsements? With not the necessarily. So there are so there are times yeah. when you will use your own wisdom right. to to come to different conclusions. And again, that's. I'm sure oftentimes based on very specific experience. You may have an elected official uh, who, whose history, when it's, when it's been your shared history, uh, may be very personal. I don't mean you personally, but the, yeah. the, the club, the membership, the, the city, the communities. You may have heard promises that were, weren't kept or were yeah. kept that maybe people at the party level don't know about. Uh, and so this, uh, it's, it's a good thing to be able to show some degree of yes. independence. And it's the nature of the party, I think, well, to allow We, we it. don't automatically do that. We bring the candidates, the ones who have been uh, endorsed by the county committee, we uh, bring it up to our membership, and they have to ratify that. So, also. so that's how it goes. How often uh, have your meetings been uh, contentious? Uh, uh, not often. Not often? I, I don't remember often, really. Because uh, some clubs can have heated uh, right. debates, and yeah. that's fine. Um, what, is, what is the uh, how does the membership work? What is the cost of it? Uh, it's uh, thirty dollars per year, um, and uh, they have to show up in the meetings uh, at least two or three meetings per year. And uh, for leadership, they have to be. Uh, a member of the steering committee at least for two, three meetings. Then they can run for the uh, officers of the club. Uh, one of the things one of the things we've discussed at, uh, again at least one prior uh, podcast episode was that the. Um, some clubs, historically, you have uh, the capacity for when an endorsement's coming up, suddenly campaigns are buying memberships right and left <laughs> so people can can vote and then That's they never right. show they up again. No, what yeah. we did with our uh, bylaw yeah. was that to, you have to be a member for the 90 days oh, before you'll be able to vote. That's good. Okay. We, we like go. that. We, yeah, that's, that's yeah. why we did so that won't happen because so, prior to that it had happened. Yeah. And uh, everybody knows Tom O'Shaughnessy. Tom O'Shaughnessy has been a pretty active member of uh, our club for years. Uh, uh, yeah, and uh, uh, we uh, we made uh, some little changes to the bylaws for th- that type of thing not happen. Uh, another thing that was, I, was that because Tom 
urged you to do that? Is that uh, he was uh, some input from him. Oh, that uh-huh. makes sense. And most clubs have because that we now. had seen uh, that, that happen kind of to role. other clubs. They, the said, voting gets stacked yeah. one way or the other. And so let's face it, it yeah. clubs can use money to get the word out. That's it's, right. it's not an unattractive. Uh, you know, a little shiny thing to wave in front of clubs that hey, if you let us register late in the game as many people as we can, you'll have more resources to do registration drives and do all kinds of things. Right. Send out flyers to support the candidates you endorse. But the treachery—I don't want treachery is sort of too strong a word—but it is undermining when the only people who. Uh, well, not the only people, but when people right. only show up to vote to and then they're never they, heard they're from gone. again. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah. it's an unlevel playing field sometimes. It's a distorting factor. It's kind of uncool. It could be kind of funny at times, yeah. but it's, it's, uh, it's good that clubs are being increasingly, as Renee says, d- yeah. diligent about not allowing Yeah, that. We had had this for a long time, several years back. We good. put that... Uh, little sentence in our bylaw for not uh, for that to not happen. With the, when you're out, well, uh, both into, inside the club, but also um, when you ha- are at a table at a community meeting, at a, I, maybe you speak at schools or, or talk to. Uh, we had had that uh, done before. Mm-hmm. Lately, we haven't. We haven't attended to any school and stuff. We had some people who were doing that before on behalf of the club. Yes. When you do that, uh, including just within the club and out in the community, wherever, yeah. at a table, I'm sure because it happens everywhere in this country, some people want to talk about whether it's Donald Trump or national politics or international politics. Um, how many want to really talk about Glendale uh, politics and governance and this issues that are uh, not necessarily unique to Glendale but are pressing. Well, lately there has been a couple of issues that uh, it comes up in every meeting and uh, the gatherings that we go, it's homelessness. Mm-hmm. And the other one is the rent control. Yeah, uh, There are so many people that uh, they simply cannot afford the rents anymore. And uh, so, uh, so right now there is no rent control. N- no rent in, uh, or the, in, in Glendale. Glendale passed. Uh, uh, it's not a set in the stone resolution or bill, but the uh, city council passed some kind of a contract there. That it's a they call it uh, rent stabilization. No, uh, something like that. Yeah. It's a yeah. lease actually that. Uh, you uh, they sign with a tenant that they have to let the tenant know and it has some limitation of which properties are involved in that so there are some loopholes there uh, that uh, uh, three months ahead of time that their rent is going to go up Uh, and also if a tenant has been in a building for so many years then uh, if they are going to evict the tenant, they have to give one week per year of stay. Uh, uh, they have to pay it to the tenant so uh, uh, the person be able to have enough money to move out. And these days it's so difficult to move. It's very difficult. Because you need that uh, security deposit yes. and all this other stuff that is coming into play. And uh, and the rent is already high, and the people they just cannot 
especially people on fixed incomes that's like right seniors, and they uh, I think yeah. remember was it uh, yeah. not m- long ago I was reading Forbes mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went up to like 56% of the people in the United States are not able to come up with $400 cash for an emergency. Emergency. That must sink in. I mean, it's it's sad for that to happen to our society. We shouldn't be... This richest country in the... We shouldn't be where we are, the way things are going for the average working people. And, And specifically, Glendale has had a massive amount of development yes uh commercial yeah. and, and otherwise but and, and it's out of reach for those people who yeah. are renting uh, uh or so living in glendale uh it's very expensive right so so it's there's a lot affordable. of market pressures that are not working no. uh, in the interest so there's a renter's uh, movement of sorts and and yes and that's interesting maybe we'll, we'll talk to them eventually that would be fine with me um but I'm also curious, you know, I, I, I want to state something for the record I, I mentioned, and it is true as far as I know, Glendale uh, historically has had some association with really kind of the more vile right-wing uh, uh, forces in this country. It's not unique, but it has had been headquarters at times. Yes. But there have also been a lot of great, wonderful people in Glendale. It's not by any means... Uh, the case, nor has it probably ever been, that that somehow uh, you know it's altogether completely uh, by even any stretch of the imagination a, uh, a very racist right wing place. But it has its historic strains, and that's kind of what I was trying to say. And it's fair to say, in, in the last couple few decades, it's changed and it's become significantly Armenian. There's also a significant Latino community. And uh, and, uh, Asian. And Asian. Asian. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious uh, to what extent you see there being stress between those communities? To what extent is there partnering? Uh, To what extent is that that something that the the Democratic Club works on in terms of uh, if they're needed having alliances and 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 making certain that that we're talking about trying to improve the quality of life of all people uh in glendale uh no uh the way i see it i don't think there is that level of stress Mm -hmm. between Mm -hmm. these communities i don't see it even though a couple of years ago, it was last year, there was some issue with the, with the know, kids, high, yeah, in the high, high school schools, and right, stuff. Right, right. Uh, it's, they must be some things underneath, but they were kids. Uh, it happens. And, and usually yeah. they group together no matter what. I remember when I was going high school over here, we had... Uh, certain, I was with certain group of people and they were with some other group of people and so on. Um, so I think mostly that's what it was. Uh, but uh, I don't want to take it as uh, lightly right. uh, because it happened. And the school board was able to somehow uh, put a damper on it or... Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened to fix it. again. It fixed it somehow. I should have used that word rather than put an amper mm-hmm. on it. Uh, but uh, 
I don't see that uh, that type of stress between uh, Asian community and Latino community with Armenians and stuff. Mm-hmm. I did not have that experience myself, and in the club we haven't uh, encountered anything like that either. Uh, but uh, I'm sure there is uh, that prejudice uh, is there with you, no matter where you go. So you suggested, I think it's fair to say that in what was a really dark day for Democrats and I'd say for the nation, which was the uh, right around when McGovern was losing, lost the presidential uh, campaign election, rather, uh, that you still had some some vision and some hope about what the right thing was to do and how to do it and to go about supporting the the, the better. Whatever the cliche is. Well, to me, uh, I always had uh, progressive ideas. And you still do. And I still do. And uh, uh, I like for my neighbor to be as comfortable as I am. And uh, I I like my surroundings, the uh, people who are living in my city, be living comfortably. They be able to afford rent. Uh, uh, I get very distressed when I see people are homeless and living in tents. And some of those are families even. Yeah. Uh, there are people who are living in cars. Uh, kids are going to school. They study in the car. It's, it's sad. We are, one of the, we are told that we are one of the richest country on earth. Mm-hmm. This should not happen to that. And I travel a lot, uh, two or three times per year, per year lately. And I don't see that in other mm-hmm. countries. I don't see it. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, granted, I go through Europe. Uh, not long ago, I was in Armenia. Uh, I visited there several times, even though I wasn't born there, but it's some kind of a homeland. Uh, I go for visit, and uh, uh, I didn't see a single homeless tent up there. And this is a third-world country, very poor country, that's not there. We didn't have these things 20, 30 no. years ago. There was no such thing. No. Uh, it would be, and now it's, it's a nor- we have normalized this, and uh, that bothers me very much. But to, but to be clear, I, yes. I'm not going to. I'm not here to defend Glendale. No, or, but, but we're but we're talking about just, uh, at the very least throughout lots of communities in California uh, cities. You see this. Um, yes. not, I mean, Glendale... No, may, it's not just Glendale. Right, Glendale no, may be Los Angeles. We went to Los Angeles. We went to Portland, Oregon. Yeah, uh, uh, it's all over. About and two, three months ago. That same thing up there. And, and, and we can analyze it all different ways, including some people come to California because of the weather. Uh, so there are laws that, that do affect what the government can, should, is allowed to do, whatever. Um and resources are directed, many of us would say, towards, uh, uh, well, either towards the pockets of the wealthiest or towards uh, priorities that are not necessarily taking into account the needs of those uh, most, who are most vulnerable. And as you said, rent, uh, the cost of housing, the availability of housing, all these things are, are in play. It's not a simple thing to resolve, but you're, of course, pointing out what is kind of obvious, that somehow it's become a, an ever, well, a 
of incredibly visible how many decades is that the, the minimum wage hasn't gone up and everything yeah. else has gone up this yeah. morning uh, uh, I don't know which show it was I was watching there was a school teacher mm-hmm. I think oh, it was South Carolina or yeah something. I think and she had two jobs she had two jobs she's making $35,000 a year yeah. and she lives with her parents she got a couple of kids too yeah. And she has to work two jobs in order to make it. This is a school teacher. School teacher. A school teacher goes four years of college, and year and a half for credentials. It's sad. And I'll bet she uses some of her own salary to buy supplies yeah, when, supply. and, when, and when well, they're not provided. Monies, are, monies yeah. are not provided well, by when they, when they should be by the just, school district or the state or whatever. I don't see it. I know, where right. are we as a society? No. And what was What's interesting happening? in that story, I saw it too, was that the company that she worked for for four hours a night, three days a week or whatever it was, Doing so well. had a number of teachers Working who were working that shift. second job. And, and the <laughs> owner of the company was, Ooh, our business oh, our has business gone up. Great. We are making After, so much. Business is great. After the tax the, break, we're doing great. Yeah. yeah. And the people over there who are working are struggling. And it's, it's so sad. I, uh, Our priorities are wrong. So, so I think that on, from all the level of works, teaching should be the most respected uh, uh, yeah. work there is because they are educating our Future. Yeah. Future. They should be well paid. These people are going so many years of college and taking so much time and putting up uh, <laughs> with your kids right. all day long. At least they should get a decent salary so they don't have to go work for some other jobs or buy the from their own salary when they go and buy school supplies. California is what, uh, 48 or 46 on the state? It's sad. So when you discuss issues, whether it's as a member or president of the Democratic Club or just as as a community activist and and leader, but a person living in the community, uh, you're also a member of uh, of the county party and the state party? Yes. A elected member and uh, who can vote on endorsements and you're active. Therefore, you're spending that many more days and hours and nights uh, right. showing up to meetings to take part in, in decision making. But to what extent, obviously anyone listening to you will hear your empathy and your concern and your, your heartfelt compassion and your anxiety over a lot of this. And so when you're talking to people, how much ultimately does it matter that they see this as being a de- these as being democratic uh, concerns, or does that sort of I don't want to say melt away because obviously you, you believe in your party and what it stands for when it's at its best. Um, but to what extent does it matter if you're talking to somebody about these issues and let's say they're not a registered Democrat? Do they still listen to you? Do they, they or do, do they see listen. you in a different way? Uh, I try to educate. Uh, like I said, uh, most people are, uh, I call it, uninformed because of whatever reasons. They're not getting the right information. And most of large people, like I said, it doesn't matter which party. They're all the same. They're not. They're not. You bring up, it says, Social Security, the, <laughs> Civil rights, uh, Medicare, Medical, uh, all this came from the Democratic Party and Republican Party has fought every single part of the world for every single one of those acts that it has passed. Clean air, clean water, there are so many of them. 
Right. Just one. Uh, every single one of them, it took so, so long and such a fight to pass it and put it under uh, as a law. And now they're trying to chip it away. And uh, there we are. So you mentioned Tom O'Shaughnessy uh, before. <laughs> a, those of us who know Tom uh, uh, certainly recognize that he holds a... I consider him uh, one of my mentors. Really. An important place in, in the scheme of things. But by mentioning him as a member of the club, you also... If anyone had it, was wondering if it's if the club is entirely Armenian, no, uh, by no means does. No. Um, but what about age? It's always, it's I don't want to say always. It's not always that easy to get younger folks engaged That's politically. The and you mentioned the, the the sorrowful lack of civics right. types of, uh, of of instruction where people learn about the Constitution, learn about all kinds of issues in history, and more, in more than a parochial way, and also in more than a politically correct way, that they actually learn to think about history as their own, as something they belong to and that belongs to them, uh, and to care about it, and also the, the, how institutions uh, interact. Uh, all that is sort of maybe... Not stuff that a lot of young people think about, even while they think about other stuff. Um, what can you? What to what extent is that a challenge that the club attempts to address in terms of getting more youth in, involvement? That has been very challenging, very challenging to bring the youth in. Uh, the ones who come, uh, we encourage them to bring their friends in. And I have uh, even encouraged them to put them on executive board to oh. stay there. Um, but for some reason, they don't stick around for too long. Uh, why that is, I don't know. But uh, I think in general, our youth is not that much interested with politics. That much. Um, I, I get very sad when... Uh, I ask uh, some niece or nephew and stuff. Uh, they talk about basketball or football and stuff. They know exactly who, how many uh, baskets they made or uh, how they ball the, uh, run the ball, how many yards. But when it comes to see who is your representative, they don't know. Who is your assembly member, they don't know. And they're going to school. So all their life depends on those people who are actually making the laws for them, their tuitions for them, and so on. They, they're not aware of that. I'm, I'm sorry, but that's how it is. Well, you know, uh, President Trump, I, I, forgive me, I, Trump. I'll just that's call him Trump. fine. Trump uh, was at a, a college recently, and they seemed to allow, what was it, 10 students to attend? It was like, let's do something, but not let students not let the rest, be yeah. there, because of, they know, would probably boo them. They would probably treat, you know, it's like, I guess after that, he saw what the fans of the, the World Series game did when, when but the confronted whole thing with is him. a setup. Whatever he does, it's a yeah. pretty set up. Yeah. Here, here in California, here in L.A., greater L.A., Southern California area, where most elected officials, almost everyone is a Democrat, and those of us who are active enough see them in person. And I, can, I, I think to a person, there's nothing that would delight them, or that does delight them more than to see kids, see young people mm -hmm. active and involved. And 
and to actually discuss the issues of the day. It's sad to think that sometimes, this is grotesque to say, but it takes either a draft or a uh, school shooting sometimes to motivate students because when they're motivated... They are extraordinary in yes. terms of, of their eloquence so often mm-hmm. and their mm-hmm. level of information and their and clarity, their involvement, right. yeah. their wisdom, their, their, uh, their capacity to speak with great nuance but also understanding and to cut through crap, all those things. Uh, and, and to understand a lot of times the, the delicacy of choosing what kind of thing to settle for that they can be very pragmatic about some stuff, but also very principled yes. and, and no, again, cutting through crap. It's really astonishing to see how good students can be, young people can be. Uh, and it's, it is a great uh, source of sadness, I think. It should be for us all when students, when young people don't, uh, of course, they have other things on their mind, and yeah. sometimes they're not, sometimes they're very serious, they're not just you know, sports and whatever, but it's, it's, it's a real loss that they are so, so often not able or willing or taught to focus on on what actually makes their world happen and work or fail. Or how delicate our democracy is right now. Right. It is it is yes. it's in peril. We um I don't know if they realize that that this democracy that we have that was fought for for you know, centuries, couple centuries. The problem is they are taking their freedom right now yeah. as a, as granted, and they it's just like that frog in that water. Ah. Yes, they're boiling. little by little, little, by little yeah. yeah. They don't know what's yeah. going on right. around them. And the thing is, it takes what ten years uh, to pass a generation, mm-hmm. and uh, you know. Uh, we are not used to see homeless tents on right. the streets, but the people right now, it's normal. normalized for them. It's okay. Yeah. But when you came to Hollywood and, and after that for a long time, we know how this, the skies were horribly you gray. You couldn't see and, it. We didn't yeah. know there was mount, and, and mountains smog. here. <laughs> so it, it didn't happen, you know, yeah. with all mm-hmm. due respect to people of faith, um, it was not somehow a, a, a an act of God, uh, or that alone, that got the air to be uh, pretty clear by comparison Lots and safer. Yeah. It took a lot of work and political gumption and organizing and Stamp- valor. Uh, there was the group Stamp gra- uh, Small. Yeah. Grassroots. We put it on. Yeah. 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 I was involved there, too. Yeah, so, so it, and, and, and so it takes that a lot of times. I mean, I think the other part of this is for in terms of people younger than us, um, but also our age, that if it's not sheer kind of we don't care, we're bored, we have other things on our mind, whatever, it can be a despair and a sense of uh, it doesn't matter, there's no way to change things that, um, you know, or climate change, things are already too bad, we're all going to die, the world is coming to an end, we can do nothing about it. That kind of... of, of of uh, existential uh, despair, uh, if that's what it is, uh, really does keep people from doing things that can, as happened years ago, get the air to be cleaner and clearer um, here in Southern California. 
uh, a lot of things can make a difference. It's no, no one's saying it's easy. No. I doubt you say it's easy to people to change these things. No, it's not. But you do offer hope and, and, a, and a sense of, of sure, that. Sure. But things do change. Yeah. We've, but, we've uh, the problem, some, one yeah. of the problems is that they have made uh, somehow people, they think if there is a regu- regulation is a bad thing. Right. Yeah. And nobody explains to them that it took so many years of fight to put clean air that they yes. breathe as part of regulation. And now the guy comes over there, Mr. Trump, and with one signature, mm-hmm. uh, executive order, and takes those regulations out of the existence. And those regulations took so many yeah. years and fights yeah. to put there. The reason there is regulation because it was need. There was a yes. need to be there. They just didn't go and create. They say, okay, we're going to put this regulation there. So you got to do this. Yeah, it wasn't big bad Democrats or, in many cases, a lot of Republicans, who uh, and others who came along and said. Let's make life hard for businesses. It was people saying there's a grave uh, threat to public health and well-being. And it's a lot of times it's because of greed. But in any event, it's something that needs to be uh, changed. I don't know how many people have heard uh, from you. I don't know in your podcast they listen to that. They hear about Ralph Nader, which he started with people were getting killed in an unsafe cars. Right. And car companies fought like hell for him to just put that that stupid seatbelt there. They said, no, can't happen. Yeah. And it did happen. Now it's just given. Even they go further now, they put airbags and every other things in the car and stuff. It started from him. That was a big fight to put that Mm -hmm. regulation over there that the car has to be safe. Because... That Corvair, or it was at the time, uh, they had an accident. The body was coming about three pieces with all those sharp stuff (laughs) in the car. I mean, it it takes a long time to pass these regulations, and we so easily are giving it away. And it it doesn't, you know, as much as some of us would like to think highly of some of the elected officials we know, and, and I think with good reason, many here in this area, in this region, have earned our our appreciation, have earned our appreciation, and some haven't, and we act accordingly. But um, the fact is that it's not just legislators who, left to their own devices, will always do the right thing. It takes okay. grassroots information and activism and, and, and pleading right. sometimes, and, and, uh, and just that grassroots stuff is what's essential. And I, and I thank you so much for You're all that welcome. you've done. I want to ask you one last question, which I don't think I've asked so far, which is website, Facebook. Is there any uh, – do you know the uh, the addresses that you can uh, rattle off right now, the email? Yeah, the, uh, Glendale has uh, – it's on uh, web, uh, Facebook site. Uh, the Glendale Democratic Club. Glendale Democratic Club. Uh, and on – so if you look on Facebook, if you look, if you or Google or whatever term you want to use, if you if you do a search, you will come right there, and you can you can find out the latest, the greatest that's going on. Thank you so much for for not just for of course for for spending the last whatever hour or so with us, but also for the decades of of leadership and activism and the years to come. Uh, it's very generous of you to devote yourself this way. And, and when I say you, it's you, but it's also every member of the club, the entire leadership of that club, and the people yet to join the club who are going to join it, wanting to make change because that is what it takes. So um, thank you, Renee. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.
And, uh, and thank you, listeners, for listening. Right. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. You can share a comment, question, or idea by emailing us at slenunciator at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more of our podcasts at slenunciator.com. Wherever you may be, have a lovely day.